With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. WWCR, Nashville, Tennessee, USA. news the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help us almighty god i'm rick wiles today is wednesday october 19 2023 the it's thursday it's thursday let me correct myself today is thursday october 19 2023 the chinese pla navy has deployed warships in the middle east Meanwhile, the Russian Air Force intercepted three British Royal Air Force aircraft over the Black Sea. This is True News, your source for the most comprehensive news and analysis about World War III. Doc Burkhart is here with me. Let's start with the South China Morning Post newspaper in Hong Kong. This is today. Up to six Chinese warships present in Middle East over the past week. You better reiterate that headline there, Rick. Chinese warships. Chinese warships have been moved to the Middle East. Yes. So now... Not the South China Sea. Right. They're at the Middle East preparing for World War III to be fought at Israel, Egypt, Lebanon, Syria. This thing is going hot. And uh, this is a story I don't think anybody in the USA knows about. It shocked me about two hours ago when I found it. I, I had I had the same reaction, Doc. I had to look at the headline a couple times. Like, am I reading this correctly? China has moved warships to the Middle East. Let's take a look at what the uh, South China Morning Post is reporting. According to the South China Morning Post, Rick, up to six Chinese warships have been operating in the Middle East over the past week. That's according to reports. The 44th Naval Escort Task Force has been involved in what they say are routine operations in the area since May. And last week spent several days on a visit to Oman, including a joint exercise with the country's Navy. And that's according to the Chinese Defense Ministry website. The task force left the capital of Muscat on Saturday en route for an unspecified destination, state media reported. Now, during the visit, Chinese commanders met Omani military officials and visited military institutions while sailors from both countries toured each other's ships. They also organized a basketball game, and that's according to the state news agency, Xinhua. Doc, Ray Dalio is a billionaire investor, uh, you know, has a, a large following, uh, well-respected. I don't agree with him on a lot of his political issues, but I do pay attention to him. And he he put out a, uh, a statement that 
China, the United States, and Russia are on the edge of a red-hot war. This is from a billionaire. And so he's warning his, his friends on Wall Street. This thing is, this thing is uh, coming apart really fast. A lot faster than most people realize. So how is Ray Dalio responding to this? I mean, there, a billionaire wants to keep his billions. Yes. So what, what strategy does he have in place? I don't know. Right he didn't place it in the article. But he, he must be wondering, if I move my wealth, after the war, will it even be there? And where do you move it to? I mean, where, where do you move it? But after you've moved it. Will the money system even exist? This is why um, this, this is why people are putting in times like this. People put their wealth into physical assets like gold, precious metals, land, uh, things that you can hold on to, things that you can touch, physical things. That's where that's where the smart money is going right now. And uh, which is why we've recommended that our that our audience take a look, take a serious look at at Genesis Gold Group because they are helping people move their individual retirement accounts into gold. You can always move it back later if you want to. Right. But for right now, it's a secure place to have to have your retirement in gold. And you need a company like Genesis Gold Group to carry out the process. A lot of people don't know you can actually take your IRA and convert it into a gold yes. IRA. Yes, you can direct it yourself. You, you don't have to have a, a stockbroker manage your, your retirement because stockbrokers will not invest in gold. There's no money in it for right. it. They're stockbrokers. They're stockbrokers. They brokers. want to sell stock. But anyhow, Ray Dalio, uh, a, a, a prominent, well-known billionaire, is saying today, World War III is going red hot, and it's going to be with China, Russia, and the United States. So, Doc, we've reached a point where Wall Street billionaires are now saying World War III. Yes, the financial guys are talking about World War III. So that's how fast this is moving. And, you know, again, I encourage you, uh, food. Two things that you have to have to, to survive, food and water. Stockpile food. Do what you can do right now. This is World War III. Another story is Vestia out of Moscow. Three U.K. Air Force aircraft approach the borders of the Russian Federation in the Black Sea today. And so we see this pattern again and again whenever there are tensions rising, different militaries test the boundaries. Testing the borders. Yes. How close can we get? They're looking for a reaction. Russia does it to us. They fly down over the North Pole, come down along the Alaskan border. What are they looking for? How soon, how quick will the U.S. Air Force respond? So Great Britain today was testing the Russian Air Force, how close can we get to your borders? When will you respond? 
what type of response will you give to us approaching your borders? So, Doc, you've got the story. Yes, well, uh, the uh, Russian SU-27 aircraft or the Russian Air Force stopped the violation of the state border by British Air Force aircraft over the Black Sea. This was announced on October 19th by the Ministry of Defense of the Russian Federation. Three air targets that were approaching the border of the Russian Federation were spotted by Russian airspace control systems. Uh, the military department said to identify air targets and prevent the violation of the state border of the Russian Federation, a pair of SU-27 fighters from the air defenses, for, their defense forces were on duty and they were lifted into the air. This is another story you're not going to see on CNN or Fox or MSDNC or anything else here in the U.S. media. Uh, because that's not the story to them, is it? It isn't. And, Doc, a lot of people think this, uh, this fighting in Gaza, that this is a skirmish. This will go away. You know, there's been, uh, for years, uh, the, 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 the Palestinians, there have been uprisings against the, the, uh, the Zionists that are occupying their land. And this will be a skirmish. It'll go away. But that's not what the Israelis are saying. Right. I'll show you. This is the Times of London today. Israel-Gaza war, Netanyahu prepares for a long war on Hamas. And this was confirmed by Benny Gantz. Uh, this is from the Times of Israel. Gantz says war in the south and possibly in the north could take months to complete. So they're expecting this uh, skirmish to become much more than a skirmish, but a long, drawn-out battle. Remember, uh, Doug, uh, Benny Gantz is a retired IDF general. Yes. He's back in the government. He came, he's not a friend of Netanyahu, but he was brought into the government as a, a, a war unity government. Yes. And I think he was put in back in charge of the uh, defense ministry of, of Israel. So you have a retired Israeli defense force general, minister of defense, saying, this is going to take months. We're talking November, December, January. In fact, I think in this article, he may say six months. Right. But what is fascinating about this article is their long-term plans for Gaza. They Did you notice it? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Let's read it. So, uh, Minister Bittingham said during a funeral on Wednesday that the ongoing Israel-Hamas war is likely to take months and could potentially include a northern front as well. So they're that, and so let's that. just stop. When they say northern front, they're talking Lebanon. Right. And Hezbollah dealing with that. So, it will take a long time. The war in the south and, if need be, also in the north or anywhere else might take months and the rebuilding will take years only when the rebuilding is complete will we be victorious Gaines there you go that, what does that mean doc that means when they, they take possession of gaza that's right so uh, now he said this at a funeral for ofer libstein the head of the shahar hanagav regional council who was killed during fighting uh, with hamas terrorists in kibbutz kafar azah on october 7th now this is where it gets really interesting listen to this our goal is not just to defeat Hamas, but to promise that the South will be 100% paradise, he added. After the war, after we win, on any fight that we front, we will be dedicated to this rebuilding. You think they're going to build paradise for two and a half million Palestinians? It's not going to be paradise for Palestinians. There's not going to be any Palestinians alive. They're planning to kill them and then build a paradise for the Zionists on their land. And it actually says that in this article later on. Gantz, who currently lives in the central city of Rosh Hayan, uh, 
said that he personally, listen, that he personally intends to live in the future paradise that will be rebuilt in the Gaza border region in the future. He's going he's he's to live there. He's already got the land. He already has he the had, land he's he going has to claim. He probably has the deed. I told you, Doc. I told you these guys have already sold the land off. He said, we are at war not just for your homes, the residents of the Gaza border towns, but for all of our homes, he said, including their future homes in Gaza. These guys are land thieves. They're land thieves. And they're not shy about they, it either. They brag about it because who's going to say anything about it? They, they've got people convinced you're entitled to steal their land. Yes. You are entitled. You have a right to steal the land of the Palestinian people. Why? Because you're Zionists. Right. And American evangelicals go right along with it. They, they'll say, yeah, you can steal, steal anything that you want. We'll look the other way. And we'll back you. Yep. And we'll, we'll, we'll quote Bible verses to say you have the right to steal the land. Doc, um, one thing, you know, over the years, uh, we've dealt with a lot of propaganda. And the toughest thing in this job at True News is dissecting propaganda, showing people the components of propaganda, how it's being built how it's being uh, disseminated, pushed into the uh, society. Propaganda comes at you so fast from so many directions that it's overwhelming. Yes. Because they're hitting you through the news media, through the government, through corporations at work, uh, at school, colleges, in music, in films. It's just nonstop propaganda, social media. It's all coordinated. There are people who get together and work out a strategy. Here's how we're going to push this thought onto hundreds of millions of people. It's extremely difficult to fight propaganda. We saw it with the COVID uh, pandemic. Right. First, when, when, when people started to say, hey, wait, there's something, something odd about this pandemic. When, when we immediately when people who said this came from a Chinese lab, it is man-made, right away, they they're sh- deplatformed, yes. they're silenced, they're shut down. Then when we started to say the COVID death numbers are being inflated, people are, it's being added to, to death certificates that they died of COVID when they didn't. Right. I'm thinking right now of one case here. This is from several years ago in Florida. A young man was in a motorcycle wreck. And, I mean, he was killed because he he fell off his motorcycle right. on the highway and got hit. But, right? but his family found that the cause of death was COVID. Was COVID. So when we started talking about those things, and just not us, a lot of people... We, you know, we're attacked, we're silenced, we're told you can't say that, we're called names, we're labeled, all kinds of things. Right. So we see this pattern. Yes. How do you know that propaganda is in play? How do you know that a big lie is being told? How do you know the truth is being covered up? When you see a coordinated attack from multiple sources telling you, you are not permitted to speak the truth. It's not on everything, Doc. Yes. It's not on everything. It's, uh, there's a lot of topics here that we talk about that there's really no big propaganda campaign. 
But there will be certain topics that if you say what you know is the truth, like the roof will come down on your head. They will come at you from every direction. They'll threaten to to deplatform you. They'll threaten to close your bank account. They'll threaten to take away your kids. Take away your kids. I mean, that happened with COVID. We're seeing right now with uh, Wall Street, uh, people that are defending the Palestinians, not Hamas, defending yes. Palestinians. They're being blacklisted. You'll never get a job. You will never get a job in Wall Street. Have you noticed that if you have a, a rally for the Palestinians, what, do, what does the media call it? A pro-Hamas rally. A pro-Hamas, yes. You're just defending Palestinians. So this is the propaganda. So what is the biggest issue right now in this in this war between the Palestinians and Israel? What is the biggest issue that you are not permitted to talk about? The Gaza hospital situation. The bombing of the Baptist hospital. If you dare say that the Israelis bombed a hospital, the hounds of hell will be released on you. So I automatically know yes. the Israelis are lying. I, I, I know that Fox News is lying. I know that all the news media in America is lying. I know the politicians are lying, Republican and Democrat. I know. How do I know? Because you're not allowed to talk about it. That's the, that's the giveaway. Whatever you're not allowed to talk about, that's the big lie. So what do we have here, this hospital? A Baptist hospital. Not a terrorist hospital. Not an Arab hospital. A Christian-built, Christian-owned, Christian-managed hospital for the Palestinian people. We would call it a mercy ministry. Think of how many Christians donated money to build that hospital. How many churches supported the building of a hospital in Gaza? Over eight decades. Eighty years. That hospital has operated as a Christian hospital. It was destroyed in minutes by the Israeli Air Force. Oh, but now today it wasn't destroyed at all. So they're back to the parking lot. Blowing up the parking lot. They're back to the parking lot story. Even though President Biden and Benjamin Netanyahu acknowledged that the hospital had been bombed. Both of them in their in their conference. Doc, this is, that's the other side. That's the other they way. Re, you, they're rewriting the that's story. That's the other way that you know that the propaganda is in play because their narrative keeps changing. Yes. Like uh, Obama's chef. Yes. <laughs> you know, when Obama's chef drowned in three feet of water and he's a uh, healthy, young, strong male who knows how to swim... It was in competitive swimming contests, and and he, he drowns in three feet of water, and his clothing washed up first. The man took his clothes off as he drowned in the water, and you're not allowed to talk about it. Right. You're not allowed to ask, where was Obama? And that information wasn't released all at once. It was a dribble, drip, drip, drip. And the story kept changing. Yes. It kept changing. That's how. You, that's a sign. Propaganda is in play. Because they're trying to find the narrative that sticks. Yes. What's the line that the people are buying? The moment they're testing. They're monitoring. They're testing the public. That last, and last week it was the beheaded babies. Yes. And uh, that's over. 
Well, we're not talking about beheaded babies anymore. Glenn Beck did this morning. Well, yeah, but he's he hasn't gotten the next next script. Next script. He's still on beheaded oh, babies. He, he started talking about this today too. All right. So. so, so we know we know that the Israelis bombed the hospital. How do I know this? Because several days before the bombing. Israel ordered that particular hospital, the Baptist Hospital, they ordered the hospital to evacuate all patients, doctors, and nurses in 24 hours. Why? Because they planned to bomb it. Immediately after the bombing, a prominent, well-known Israeli social media influencer who is very close to to Netanyahu, his uh, his last name is uh, is it Naftali? Yes, his last name is Naftali. He t- he tweeted that Israel had bombed the hospital. This is minutes after it happened. He tweeted that Israel had bombed the hospital because Hamas was hiding in the hospital. Minutes later, he deleted the tweet. Then the story started changing. Right, and. Now we're in a full propaganda press. Oh, yes. And if you dare say, if you dare say that Israel bombed the hospital, you are a Hamas terrorist loving freak. You're anti-Semitic. You're anti-Semitic. Oh, the other one that they're using now. To say that Israel, Doc, did you see this? To say that Israel bombed the hospital and killed all those children is blood libel. Oh, yes. They're using blood libel. They're pulling this one out. You're accusing the Jews of blood libel because you're saying that they killed children in a hospital. Yes, I am saying it. They did bomb it, and I'm not going to back down. They murdered 500 people, and a lot of them were children. In fact, I read today that nearly 3,000 Palestinians are known to be dead right now. Since this all started. Right. And that one-fourth of the dead are children. I'm surprised it's not higher than that, to be honest. Well, these are the bodies that they have found so far. Right. I mean, there's not a lot of people going into Gaza digging through the rubble right now looking for bodies. But they know of the bodies that they have that one-fourth of the dead Palestinians are children. Israel doesn't care. Their motto is rise up and kill first. They do not see the Palestinians as humans. They see them as subhumans, as livestock. That's not that's not an exaggeration. It's their words. It is their own words. Their 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 first prime minister said that they were livestock. He said we saw them as donkeys. To be exact, he said, we saw them as donkeys, talking about the Palestinians. They're just livestock that we can, we just need to clear them out, get rid of them. What is Gantz saying today? When this war is over, we're going to turn Gaza into paradise. We've got golf courses planned. We've got resorts. We've got casinos. I'm thinking of Joni Mitchell. 
cut down the trees, it put up a parking, parking lot. <laughs> All right, so Gantz already has the building plans. He plans, sold, he plans to live there. He's going to move there. He's got his land picked out that he's going to steal from the Palestinians. They've already sold off the, the, the coastline. They know where the hotels are going, the shopping areas, the malls, the restaurants. The promenades, they, they know where all these things are going. The casinos. They've got it all built. They just got to get rid of two and a half million Palestinian people. And they're, you're going to use propaganda to tell the rest of the world they needed to die. Doc, when this thing is all over, we're, we're going to be looking back saying, they did it. They exterminated the Palestinian people. They did it. And what did and they we got do? away with it. And what did we do during that time? Yeah, that- we gave them the weapons. We gave them money. We gave them... We put battleships in place. We're doing everything that we can. Just like America did under LBJ in 1967 when they stole the West Bank and East Jerusalem and Gaza. LBJ, who was a closet terrorist himself... Why do I say that? Because he was smuggling guns and rockets and ammo to Palestine in the 1930s and 40s and and giving fake U.S. passports to Israeli terrorists to come into the United States. Absolutely. As a U.S. congressman, he was in the House of Representatives. This is in the record, folks. Why do you think LBJ became president after Kennedy died? Because Kennedy was standing up to the Israelis and telling them, you will not build a nuclear weapon. The Israelis were behind the killing of Kennedy. Kennedy stood up to them. Jack Ruby, Jack Rubenstein, who worked for Meyer Lansky, the mafia head, the Jewish mafia head, Jack Rubenstein, who killed Lee Harvey Oswald, who was the patsy, the fall guy in the killing of Kennedy. It was a, yes, the mafia was involved, but everybody has assumed it's the Italian mafia. It was a Jewish mafia. They took out Kennedy because Kennedy was telling the Israelis in 1963, I am not going to allow you to build a nuclear bomb. In fact, Kennedy was going to send... U.S. commandos into Israel and seized Demona. Yes. So they seized him. They shut him down. And who did they put in? Lyndon Johnson, a secret Zionist, who in the 30s and 40s smuggled guns into Palestine to kill Arabs. Coincidence? I don't think so. So still, the game is still on. We're about to see... Two and a half million Palestinian people wiped out in genocide because Benny Gantz wants to build a house in Gaza. And he wants to live in paradise. And you're going to have all these Christian Zionists rushing into Gaza to get their little piece of paradise. It's sick. It's demented. It's demonic. And God is watching all of it. And it is absolutely disgusting. This war is... No war is... No war is... um, No war is good. 
But this is being fought on false pretenses. Nobody can explain how Hamas came over the border and the Israeli Air Force, the Israeli military. Nobody saw it. And we don't, and we don't talk about it now, do we? No. No, because we've moved on. But I, I driving in this morning, I heard a, a, a radio talk show host, not a real famous one, but a syndicated talk show host, and he brought it up. But he was pro-Israel. But he said, you know, I'm having trouble. I'm having trouble accepting <laughs> how Hamas came over the border without being detected that i'm still struggling with that i just don't understand the intelligence failure of the israeli military see smart so people, he's going through cognitive yes. dissonance as well but he needs some propaganda to help him accept the truth whatever the truth is the truth is what they say it is and but his mind is wrestling with it World War Three is on. Um, we're talking about the hospital. I, I looked today and I saw an Al Jazeera video about the hospital. And I want to go ahead and play it. This is because Israel is claiming that they took video from Al Jazeera and determined that it was a, a Hamas rocket that hit the hospital. Right. Again, I said yesterday, look, we don't, here at Trinus, we don't have the staff, the capability to analyze these things. I, it's beyond our, it's over our pay grade. The only thing I can talk about are the things that I know. What do I know? I know that Israel gave the hospital 24 hours to evacuate, and then it got blown up. If I was a cop investigating a crime, who would I suspect? Well, the person that said, you better get out of there. I'm going to burn your I'm house. I'm going to give now. you 24 hours to get out of that building. That would be the first person I would go to and say, why did you issue that, that threat? Why did you issue that order to leave that building? Were you planning to burn it down? So that's all I can work with. But I'm going to show you the Al Jazeera report. This is their opinion. This is their analysis. Here it is. On the 17th of October 2023, hundreds of Palestinians were killed when the Al-Ahli Arab Hospital in Gaza was bombed. Officials in Gaza blame the blast on an Israeli airstrike. The Israeli army denies responsibility and claims the attack was due to a failed rocket launch by the Palestinian Islamic Jihad. They say... They used Al Jazeera footage to allegedly confirm these claims. But you're asking me for, for proof? You don't need to get proof from me. All you need to do is switch over to Al Jazeera, who broadcasted it live, and you can actually see. I've got a screen cap caption just for you to see. This is Al Jazeera from last night. Our digital investigations team, Sanad, decided to investigate these claims and conducted an in-depth analysis of this Al Jazeera video, along with several other videos, from multiple sources and established a detailed second-by-second -second timeline of the events. By analyzing Al Jazeera's live stream starting at 18.45, the team was able to identify four Israeli airstrikes on Gaza, targeting the area near the hospital. Starting at 18.54.28, then 18.55.03, then 18.57.42, and then 185804. 
That's military time for just before 7pm local. The team cross-referenced this video with another captured by a camera situated south of Tel Aviv, showing a wide view of the Gaza Strip. That video shows a series of rocket launches from Gaza. That video clearly shows how the Iron Dome intercepted these rockets. Going back to the Al Jazeera live feed at 1859.35, we can see a single rocket launched from Gaza. This is the rocket in question. This rocket can also be seen on the Israeli video. 15 seconds later, Al Jazeera's live feed shows that the same rocket was intercepted at exactly 1859.50. This interception has the same afterglow seen in previous interceptions. A closer look at the video captured by the Al Jazeera live feed shows the rocket being completely destroyed and broken apart in the sky. According to all feeds and videos analysed, this rocket was intercepted and was the last one launched from Gaza before the bombing of the hospital. Five seconds after that interception, an explosion in Gaza can be seen, followed two seconds later by a much larger explosion. This is the strike that hit Al-Akhli Arab Hospital. As a result, Al Jazeera Digital Investigations Team found no grounds to the Israeli army claim that the strike on the Al-Akhli Arab Hospital in Gaza was caused by a failed rocket launch. Well, Doc, here in the United States, you're not allowed to talk about it. You have to go with the party narrative. And the party narrative in America is the Zionist Party. It has two factions, Democrat and Republican. And both parties in America are completely on board with the Israeli narrative. There's nobody outraged that a Christian Baptist hospital was bombed, that hundreds of children died. There's no religious leaders, no churches, nobody's saying anything. Nobody's, everybody is just covering up for Israel and cheering on, let's have some more killing. This, this war, Doc, I, I, I don't see how this thing winds down quickly and goes away. I, all I can see out of this is the intensification of the fighting and more players getting involved. And the players that are getting involved are nuclear powers. Right. We're talking the U.S., Russia, and China. Yes. Very serious. Folks, I really encourage you, do what you can do now to bolster your supplies of food, um, water filters, whatever you need to last a, a long disruption in the supply chain. Get ready for it. It is World War III. We're going to take a break. This is a message for American Reserves. The disciples asked Jesus about the end of the age. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you aren't troubled. For all this must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, plagues, and earthquakes in many places. 
I'm Dr. Robert A. Shore, and I'm on a mission to encourage Christian families to prepare for tough times. That's why I'm endorsing American Reserves. American Reserves can help you build a food storehouse like Joseph in Egypt. American Reserves offers emergency food packages for a month or full year. Buckets of freeze-dried beef and chicken, assorted vegetables and fruits, and powdered eggs are ready for quick delivery. A panic can cause store shelves to be emptied in hours. Be wise. Be ready. Order food at AmericanReserves.com. Good to see you, uh, Dr. Robert Schuler. Um, yes. Coming out and uh, encouraging uh, Christians to get involved. He, you know, he was one of the strongest voices in California during the pandemic. Yes. He kept his church open. Doc, he uh, d- openly f- defied the governor's ban. Yes. He just said, we're, we're not going to stop church. We're, we're going to, we are going to have church every week. And uh, he wasn't shut down. Uh, I, I was I was surprised and uh, impressed because so many pastors ran for cover. Yeah, he caved, and, and a lot of them turned their churches into vaccination clinics. Yeah, like, like T.D. Jakes and Robert Jeffers and others. Not Robert Schuller. Not Robert Schuller. He was he was uh, telling Christians not to get. Them. The, the experimental vaccines, he was telling them uh, to continue going to church. Uh, I was very impressed. And so I'm glad to see that he's, he's out here now encouraging Christians uh, to, to stockpile food like Joseph. Yes. Stockpiling food is biblical. It's, it's a biblical thing to do. You stockpile food. You know, I, I, I talk often about my, uh, my grandparents. They had a, an enormous impact on my life. This was my dad's parents. And uh, I was fortunate in my life that I'd, I knew two of my great-grandmothers. My great-grandfathers had passed away. Um, but I knew two of my great-grandmothers. I take that back. I actually read three. Three. I knew oh, three great grandmothers in my really lifetime, um, and uh, and they, those women. You got to think about this, Doc. They they were born. This, I'm, I'm talking about my great grandmothers. I don't know the exact dates of their birth, but it would have been in the uh, 1860s or early 1870s. Wow! Think about that. And I I knew them, and and they wore. They wore the long dresses and the bonnets. Right. So this was back in the 50s, the early 60s. They were still wearing the bonnets from the 1800s. Wow. But my, my grandparents, so they were born, both of them were born in the uh, 1890s. And what, the one thing I remember is that they always had food. Always. Always had food. My, my granddad went to, uh, he graduated from the third grade. That's as far as he went in school, the third grade. He had to quit school and he got a job. Third grade is what, eight years? Eight yes. years old? 
at, at age eight, he got a job driving mules on the C&O Canal along the Potomac River at age eight, driving mules. Life was different. Life was tough, wasn't it? The, the spoiled brats that we have today, how would they ever survive in a world like that? But my grandparents saw, you know, the, they saw life in the 1890s. They saw the invention of the automobile, the invention of the airplane. They saw the invention of rockets, space rockets. They saw World War One, World War Two, Korean War, Vietnam War. They saw the Great Depression. They saw the panic of 1897. And the Panic of 1929. <laughs> the Panic of 1929, lived through the Great Depression, raised a family in the Great Depression. So they saw a lot in their lifetime. But they always had food. Always had food. And I remember, you know, their basement. Their oh, basement yeah. had, um, their basement had uh, wooden shelves that right. my granddad had made right and every shelf was filled with jars of food that my grandmother canned in the summer months in the summer months right and there were buckets of lard five gallon buckets of lard because in the winter time we we butchered the hogs and um you know, I participated in a lot of butcherings as a as a child. And did you have an area in the cellar where all the potatoes were and everything? We had a root cellar, right? That was separate from the from the basement. He had a root cellar, and um, he had two of them. He had an an old timey one and a modern one. A modern one. The the old timey one scared me as a kid. It was creepy. It was like just a hole in the ground. It was a hole in the ground, and it was creepy. I, man, he told. I'd get my grandparents would say, "Now go to the root cellar and, and go get something." And I was always hoping, "I hope it's not the old one," you know, because <laughs> the old one scared me as a little kid. It was so creepy down there, and I'd go down there with a flashlight and look around for what my grandma wanted. And he did have a, a single light hanging down there, you know. I had to find it in the dark, find that light, you know. But the root cellar, he had a modern root cellar that he built later. The, the early one was at the first house that he had at that location. Right. And then later he built a modern root cellar, which actually had, you know, had concrete blocks and it wasn't so creepy, you know. Um, but yeah, all the potatoes, the apples, everything were down there, you know. And my grandparents the same way. Same thing. You in Missouri. So I was in Western Maryland. What am I saying? Why did my grandparents always have food? Because they lived through World War One, World War Two, the Korean War, Vietnam War, the Great Depression. They saw it all. Yes. And they said to themselves, "You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring." Right. And you better have food stored away. They weren't conspiratorial. They weren't preppers. They didn't know what the word prepper was. If you would have said to my granddad, hey, are you a prepper? <laughs> he would have said, get out of here. <laughs> what are you talking about? What's a prepper? Okay. Well, you got all this food. And what does that mean? That's just called common sense. Because I don't know what tomorrow's going to be. Right. I don't know what disaster is going to happen. I don't know what world war is going to start. I've lived through two world wars. I don't know when the third world war is going to start. 
They're thinking we didn't have we didn't have a lot of things during the world wars. There was rationing. The the government rationed things. I remember my my grandmother telling me um World War II, sugar was rationed. Right. Okay. And she would have to go to, I guess once a month, she'd have to go to a government office and ask for her sugar rations. My grandma was a Christian, obviously, and so she wasn't going to lie. And she told me this story. She said, on the days she would have to go to the ration office, she would put all of the sugar she had in her house, and, right. and she was a sugar fiend, I will tell you that, she was a sugar fiend, she could do a lot with sugar, okay, sugar, salt, grease, and flour, she could make a lot of stuff, oh, yeah, I bet she could, <laughs> with, a, with, those, with those items, okay, but she, she told me as a kid, she said, during the war, when she had to go to the ration office, she would put all the sugar she had on her kitchen table. Now, she had stockpiled. Now she had stockpiles of sugar, okay? Because she had sugar built up before the war started, okay? And then she'd go to the office, and the government, of, the government officer would say, Ma'am, how much sugar do you have in your house? And she could look the officer in the eye and she, and she would say all the sugar I have is on my kitchen table and he'd go okay I'll give you some, <laughs> I'll give you some more sugar so, so that's how she would she would amplify her sugar uh, stockpile but see we're not used to this in America today we have no idea that this happened and most people aren't in a position I would say most Americans are not in a position where they could plant a big garden Grow their own food, grow you know, right. chickens, everything. Right. Like we had that, it like all. We did. had it all. We had beef. We had pork. We had, you know, uh, we had our garden, a large garden. Uh, we had it all. We were self-sufficient. And so someone that's watching or listening right now, Rick, says, well, I don't have those kind of resources available to me. I, I can't do that. What can they do? They can buy freeze-dried food. You can get food, whether it's dehydrated or freeze-dried, you get food that all you do is add water, and it comes back to life. If my grandmother had seen freeze-dried food, and you would have told her, all you got to do is pour water on it, and, and it, it just pops back up and you got food again, she would have said, man, get me all the buckets of that stuff you can get. Because it's not going, it's 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 not going to uh, spoil. It, it's not going to get mold. It's not going to right. rot. It's not going to decay. This the food from American reserves, depending on the item, because it's different with each item. From fifteen years, twenty years, twenty five years shelf life, you will have this food fifteen to twenty years from now. That's why it's important. It's a one-time buy. You're buying it and storing it. And then as time goes by, you add to it. You augment it. You increase your storehouse, your Joseph storehouse. This stuff will last a decade, a decade and a half, two decades, depending on the item. I'd, I have to, I'd have to have my notes here with, so I can 
stated accurately. I don't want to. I don't want to state anything that's not in inaccurate. But I know, ten years, fifteen years, twenty, twenty-five years, depending on which bucket we're talking about. Right. And they've got they've got chicken. And they have beef. They have uh, vegetables and fruits. And of course, uh, you know all the other things: the, the beans, the rice. Um, it's all in these various kits. And they also still have the 72-hour uh, kit, and they're doing the special. They're still doing it. Right. And um, if you buy three, you only pay for two. You put three 72-hour food kits in your store on your online cart, and when you check out, you're only going to be charged for two. They still have it. Doc, we were told today that um, American Reserves, they they're, they have to add people, employees, to handle the True News, the the rush of orders coming from True News. That's good. It's really good. That's encouraging me. And they are struggling to get the orders out. I'm not going to um, I'm not going to uh, tell you otherwise. Uh, they were not behind before this war started. We started talking about American Reserve somewhere in mid-September. Yes. And they were doing great. They were getting the orders out within one to three days. Since this Gaza war has started, it's more like 10 to 12 days to get the orders out. But they can still get the orders out. They're still getting it out. It's not that they have a lack of supply. It's It's a lack of people to get the orders out coming in from True News. So they're shipping it as fast as they can. But the warning to you, the caution I'm giving you is... At any day, there can be something that happens at night while we're sleeping that changes the world. When we wake up and we find out everything is different in the world, and now there's panic and a mad rush to get food, and then that's the possibility you don't get it. That's what that's what you need to be concerned about. Order the food while you can. AmericanReserves.com. Uh, I want to go through... Just uh, quickly, what's uh, what's been happening there today? Um, number thirteen. This is Reuters. Eight Palestinians killed in West Bank clashes with Israeli forces. This is according to the Red Crescent, which is the Islamic version of the Red Cross. Right. What is not in this headline, Doc, is that the eight Palestinians who were killed today on the West Bank. Yes. Not in Gaza. On the West Bank. The fighting was inside a refugee camp. The fighting is now taking place in refugee camps in the West Bank. So this could be a possible third front for Israel. Yes. So the Palestinians in the West Bank are rising up saying we're sick and tired of the oppression. And we're not going to let you continue oppressing our our family in Gaza. See, it's imagine uh, a prison uprising because that's really what it is. It's a refugee camp. Imagine a prison uprising. Well, actually, several prisons yes. in uprising. <laughs> yes. So this this is what everybody's concerned about is a, a spontaneous uprising where the Palestinian people they don't have guns. They they have knives. They have rocks. But you know what? If you have a million people pick up knives, you have mass chaos in the West Bank. Um, Doc, I don't know if you know this. Last week, Benny Gantz ordered the IDF to distribute tens of thousands 
of rifles to Jewish settlers in the West Bank. The settlers are on land that they stole from the Palestinians. They are land thieves. I don't, there's no polite way for this. They stole the land. They're not settlers. They're squatters. But now they're armed squatters. But the military me. rushed weapons to them because you're not allowed to own a gun in Israel. Remember, the Zionists believe in gun control, even among their own people. So the settlers were unarmed. But last week, the Israeli military began distributing thousands of rifles to the, the land squatters in, in the West Bank. Why? Because they're expecting the Palestinians in the West Bank to rise up and slit their throats at night. I mean, we're talking mass chaos, bloodshed, just total chaos. You've got to get an idea of what's happening in the Middle East right now. Um, the next one, this is Ynet News in, in Tel Aviv. Rockets fired from Lebanon, also from Gaza. Um, IDF says they hit 800 Gaza targets yesterday. 800. 800 targets were hit in Gaza yesterday. You think they hit any hospitals? Number uh, 15, uh, this is Times of Israel. IDF shells southern Lebanon. So Israel is now bombing the country of Lebanon. Will Lebanon get in the war? Well, yes. I mean, they're, they're only going to They take can't ignore the, the Lebanese government. At some point, has got to say, you're, you're bombing us. We, we have to enter the war. Israel also bombs Syria today. At some Again. point, at some point, well, uh, uh, no, well, let me take that back. Let me rephrase that. Let me you know, rephrase it. knocked out both the Damascus and yes. Aleppo airports. Let me rephrase it. There were drone attacks on U.S. military bases in Syria. And um, I'll get to that in just a moment. So let's go down to number uh, 16. Israel and Hezbollah clash in the north. IDF drones operate in Gaza. And and so we're seeing Israel is now attacking Hezbollah, which is in Lebanon. They're using drones to kill people in Gaza. The drones are not just doing surveillance. The drones are shooting people, Doc, from the air. They're flying drones through neighborhoods and shooting people on the street. Number 17, this is uh, Jerusalem Post. IDF drones take out hundreds of Hamas targets in Gaza. So the drones have killed hundreds of people on the streets. We've got a video. Uh, you, you will see a video from an IDF drone shoot several men on the ground that they say were, were Hamas fighters. Here you see, you see the men walking. And in just a moment, they're going to disappear. There you go. They were just killed by a drone. So we're now in drone wars, where you can be shot from the air. Welcome to the new world order and the end of time. Number 19, Fox News. Drone strikes, tar- drone strikes target U.S. military bases in Syria, yes. Iraq. And also Iraq, as regional tensions from the war escalate. Um, People read this. Everybody goes to Fox News, read this story, and they didn't even think to ask the question. Why is the U.S. military in Syria? 
Yes. Why are there U.S. military bases in Syria? Show me the invitation from the Syrian government to the United States government that said, please come over and build military bases in our country and put troops in our country. Syria never asked for the Americans to be there. You know who did it? Donald J. Trump. Yes. And then he bragged that the U.S. military was stealing Syrian oil. To this day, to this day, American troops are guarding American oil company rigs that are stealing the Syrian oil. And Donald Trump thought it was wonderful. Something to brag about. Now, that's just called pillaging. Plundering and pillaging. Why do do people in other countries hate and despise the American government? Because we do do whatever we want to do. We do what we want to do. We're brutes, we're bullies, we're arrogant, and we show no respect to anybody. We just go in and... So what if, what if China put a military base in Texas and began to steal Texas oil? And China said, what are you going to do about it? We do whatever we want to do. Well, that day's coming. That day's coming. This country will be weakened so much that China will have troops here. We're being softened up for it. What are you going to do about it? Well, the next story is so ridiculously crazy. <laughs> Joe Biden announces $100 million in humanitarian aid to Gaza and the West Bank. Joe Biden is going to give $100 million. I guess $50 million goes to the Palestinian organization in Ramallah. And the other $50 million goes to... Hamas. I'm not making this up. We're giving $100 million to the people that we're killing. Yes. If you think I'm, I'm making this up, I want you to listen to these quotes. President Biden cautioned Hamas against attempting to divert the aid, saying that if the group attempts to interfere, assistance will end. In other words, I'm giving you the money, but if you misspend it, I'll cut it off. Doc, this is I know it's this crazy. is like bordering this is so beyond insanity. We're at war, but you're financing the group you're at war with. This would be like the Franklin Roosevelt sending aid to Nazi Germany. In nineteen forty three or the Japanese Empire. And say, if you if you misuse American tax money, we're gonna cut it off. <laughs> it goes on to say <clears throat> this is a quote from Biden. Quote, if Hamas diverts <clears throat> excuse me. First or, Go ahead. They'll have demonstrated once again that they have no concern for the welfare of the Palestinian people, and it will end as a practical matter. It will stop the international community from being able to provide this aid. We, you know, one other alternative you could think of is quit blowing them up. Well, you know, possibly what he could do is appoint Zelensky to oversee the aid and make sure none of it is stolen. That that would be really smart. Think of how much money Zelensky has managed 
and hasn't touched a dollar. He's spotless, right? What is that? What's happened to Zelensky? Zelensky who? Zelensky. He's he's going to be history very soon. Um, and um, one other story. I got it. Only forty seconds here to retake a station ID. Times of Israel. Best option for post Hamas Gaza is a return to the Palestinian Authority. What they're saying. This is a uh, former Prime Minister Lapid. He said, after we get rid of Gaza uh, Hamas. We're going to appoint the Palestinian Authority to take care of the Palestinians in Gaza. That's the plan right now. But I don't believe it because there's not going to be any Palestinians still breathing when they're done because they're going to build paradise in Gaza. That's the plan, according to the defense minister. Got to stay station ID. We'll be back in a few minutes. Listening to WWCR International Shortwave Radio. You can find True News on frequency 12.160 from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern and on frequency 4.840 from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. Connect with us on Rumble, Facebook, X, and Getter. I want to welcome all the new members of Faith and Values. Every day we get new members, and I'm so grateful that people are joining our platform. If you haven't checked it out, it's faithandvalues.com, faithandvalues.com. And we have a seven-day free trial, and um, a membership is $9.99 per month, no contract. You can get out anytime you want to, but... I don't think you'll want to. I think you'll want to stay in and uh, continue to to fellowship with the Christians that are residing in the Faith and Values platform. This is the the number one online community for conservative Christian families around the world. It's not an American thing. It's a global thing. We have people from... Tens, how, how many countries? I don't even know. We've 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 counted all the countries. Oh, I don't know if we have either. I hadn't thought we've about never that. counted all the countries that have joined Faith I, and Values. I just know on our daily morning manna, we have anywhere from twelve to twenty countries. So we're up to twenty that are so. showing up in morning manna. And morning manna is the Bible study that Doc and I do every day at eight a.m. Eastern, and uh, is live in real time. Uh, as soon as I get there today, I couldn't get the door open. <laughs> I was, we're in a new office, a new, new facility, and I, well, we I can't lock the boss out. I mean, that, but that's the key. Nobody thing. told me that when you arrive, uh, I know that there's a keypad, and I punched in the code, and the door wouldn't open, and I, I was the first one here, and I kept trying to open it. I'm like, I'm doing the right. I've got the right the right code i'm doing everything right it won't open and i found out later if you're the first person you have to do the code and a physical key i i didn't get the memo nobody bothered to tell me and and so morning man i had already started and i'm standing out in the parking lot and fortunately another employee showed up and opened the door for me so i could get in here but morning manna is fun i enjoy it we are learning a lot we're in the book of acts right now in fact Today's lesson, chapter 15, was about the, the first theological controversy in the early church. And what was it over? The split was caused by um, Judaism. 
there were Judaizers who tried to split the church. Right. They were sent by unnamed persons in Jerusalem, sent to Antioch to argue with Apostle Paul and Apostle Barnabas and the church in Antioch and to tell the Christians, most of them were former Gentiles who had converted to Christianity, to tell them that they had to become Jews in order to be proper Christians. That was the first theological debate, argument, and split in the early church. That's what we're studying right now. Yes. Isn't it appropriate that we're talking about it now because you have, you've got the entire deceived evangelical church world in America cheering for this. What do you call them? Deceived evangelicals. They're not evangelicals. They're deceived evangelicals. And they're cheering for this war. And they honestly, sincerely believe that the Israelis have the right to kill the Palestinians and take their land. They'll actually say it. If you, if you press them on it, they'll say it. They'll say the Bible is backing the Zionists in removing the Palestinians and taking their land. I'll show you. This is a New York Times today. For... Uh, this is number 27, guys. There, there we go. For American evangelicals who back Israel, neutrality isn't an option. That's the New York Times. So uh, Pastor Gerald Wellman took the stage Sunday morning at Tate Springs Baptist Church, 7,000 miles west of Jerusalem, to talk to his congregation about Israel. He said, neutrality isn't an option, uh, he told the crowd to murmurs of amen. American evangelicals are among Israel's most ardent advocates, compelled in part by their interpretation of scripture that says God's ancient promise to the Jewish people designating the region as their homeland is unbreakable. Some evangelicals also see Israel's existence connected to biblical prophecy about the last days of the world before a divine theocratic kingdom can be established on earth. It's interesting the way that the New York Times writes this. There's probably no greater friend to the state of Israel than American evangelical Christians. That's coming from Daniel Darling, Director of of Land Center for Cultural Engagement at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth. Meanwhile, at Radiant Church, which has several locations in southwest Michigan, the pastor, Lee Cummings, preached a sermon about the escalating war between Israel and Hamas, describing the Jewish people's right to the land as an inheritance from God. Peace between the Palestinian and Israeli people is not possible right now because of Hamas, he said, speaking ominously about future violence. He said, when they're done with the Jews, they're coming for Christians, he warned. Prepare your hearts for the rising storm because this isn't calming down. So uh, all of this is formed by an errant doctrine called dispensationalism. Dispensationalism, uh, I call it Darbyism, John Nelson Darby is the guy that dreamed up this stuff. Cyrus Schofield is the one who peddled it, made money out of it, made it popular. Um, neither neither man uh, was reputable. Darby got his, uh, his theology and his seances in his castle. He had a haunted castle in Lep, Ireland. They had spooks walking around in the castle. Um, they had seances. The whole Darby family was into seances. Schofield, Cyrus Schofield was a crook, a liar, a cheat, a fraud, a con man. When he got out of jail, I think in Missouri, Missouri or Kansas is where he was in jail, he, he, he fled states, you know, trying to, I, I'm, I'm positive it was uh, 
Missouri. I think you're right. Because uh, the, the pastor in St. Louis. Yes, it's St. Louis. Brooks. Was it Brooks? I think you're right. Uh, is the one who befriended him and introduced him to D.L. Moody. Right. And the amazing thing about Cyrus Schofield, he, he was just a liar, cheat, just a, a guy that his mind continuously thought of crooked things to do. Uh, so when he got out of jail, he immediately reinvented himself as a Bible prophecy expert. And I think, Doc, he, he either one or two things, either he saw some legitimate Bible prophecy teachers and said, man, I could do that. I, I, that's something I could do. Or he was tapped. He was recruited. I lean towards number two. I think he was recruited. I, I'm writing a second book about the rapture. And I'm, I'm behind schedule because uh, when we started with Morning Manna on the new platform, it really... Uh, is eaten into my time. I'm trying to figure out where to carve out time right now to get back to writing the book. But Schofield, Schofield was uh, financed. He was uh, his career was was managed. Let's say he was managed. And here we are today. We've got these deceived evangelicals telling their congregations the Zionist Jews have a right to the land. They don't even realize that these people living in Palestine are not Palestinian Jews. They are white Caucasian Europeans who practice Judaism. Yes. There's nothing wrong with that if you want to do that. I mean, it's your right to do that. If, if you're a white Caucasian European and you want to practice Judaism, that's your right. I, I would defend your right to do that. I, theologically, I would tell you, you're lost your, your soul is is lost. You need to be brought into the kingdom of God. But that's a different issue. But you're not going to convince me that these white Caucasian Europeans are true Palestinian Jews. They're not. Right. They don't even look like it. No. Their skin color doesn't even look like Palestinians. They migrated. They got kicked out of Europe. After World War II, we heard yesterday Edwin Black tell the story of how the, the Zionists worked with Hitler. Hitler financed, the Third Reich financed the Zionist takeover of Palestine. It's a Nazi operation. The Likud party, of which Netanyahu belongs came from Nazism. They patterned themselves after the Nazis. Yes, it's a fascist party. They, they came right out and said that. And you know who else said it? Einstein. Yes. Einstein wrote a letter to the New York Times, signed by, I, I don't recall how many prominent Jews, 30, 40, 50 prominent Jews, this is 1948. Because and he of, said, do not yes. allow the Likud, well, they weren't called Likud at that time. I want to say uh, the Freedom Party, um, I'd have to go back and look at my historical notes. Whatever the party was called, Albert Einstein wrote a letter to the editor to the New York Times and said, do not allow them to come into America. They are Nazi fascists. That's the Likud party that's running Israel today under Netanyahu. 
So you got these evangelicals saying, let's, we'll go back to this New York Times article. Some evangelicals see Israel's existence connected to biblical prophecy about the last days of the world before a divine theocratic kingdom can be established on earth. So the doctrine that Darby and Schofield taught was that a physical state of Israel had to be reconstituted before Jesus could return. Show me. Show me in the New Testament scriptures. Start at Matthew chapter 1 verse 1. Go to Revelation to the very last sentence. Show me the scripture that says a political state of Israel must be reconstituted before Jesus Christ can come back. Where is it, Doc? It's nowhere in the New Testament. They have to... But they believe it. But they have to construct it out of the Old Testament. They believe it. They do believe it. They believe it. But it wasn't taught in the New Testament. Jesus didn't teach it. Peter didn't teach it. Paul didn't teach it. None of the... None of the apostles taught it. Did Jesus, did he forget about it? Did he have so many things on his mind he forgot to talk about it? Did he not get the memo from his father in heaven? No, he was pretty clear. He said his kingdom was not of this world. Who do you think knows the the most about his return and his kingdom? Depending on who you ask. No, who would, who would you say? I would say Jesus himself. But Jesus didn't talk about a reconstituted state of Israel. No. In fact, you know what Jesus said? He looked at the Pharisees in the eye and he said, The kingdom is taken from you and given to another nation. The kingdom is taken from you and given to another nation. That other nation is the church. The kingdom was taken from the Jews and given to the church. And at the time that Jesus spoke that to the Pharisees, the only thing that was left of Israel proper was a little province of Judea. And and within just 70 years, that was gone too. Yes, it's 70 AD. And what did Jesus say before he was crucified about the temple? He said, every stone of this place will be, or not a single stone will be left standing. And that's exactly what happened. In fact, one of the charges that they used against him in, in, in the uh, sham trial that the Jews held. He said he would destroy the temple. Yes, so, so they were convicting him of being a terrorist. He made a domestic terrorism threat that he was <laughs> yeah, going to blow up the temple <laughs> and not one stone would be standing. That was a prophecy and the prophecy was fulfilled in 70 AD and it was Jesus Christ himself who led the Roman army to Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. The resurrected Lord King Jesus led the Roman army to Jerusalem and oversaw the destruction of the temple to fulfill his own prophecy. Yes. But these deceived evangelicals will not teach it. Because they're deceived and they're deceiving others. And they're telling their congregations that the state of Israel must be in existence before Christ can come back. And it goes on to talk about, the the, the New York Times says, uh, uh, before a divine theocratic kingdom can be established on earth. Jesus is not establishing a divine theocratic kingdom kingdom on on this old earth it's a new earth yes and the old jerusalem is going to burn up 
In fact, he splits it into three parts when he comes back. Just to be clear about it. Yes, there's nothing left. He splits it into three parts. Where did I read that? I read that in the book of Revelation. He called it Sodom and Gomorrah. He called it a harlot, Babylon. It's identified. Jerusalem is identified as Babylon, the city that crucified our Lord. He's not coming back to set up a kingdom in Jerusalem. He's bringing new Jerusalem to a new earth. These people are deceived evangelicals. And they're deceiving millions of people. So that the Jews, describing the Jewish people's right to the land as an inheritance from God, they lost the inheritance. Yes. Joshua chapter 21, the the descendants of Abraham possessed all the inherited land. Doc, are they saying... When they say this is an inheritance from God, are they saying God never gave them the land? Or are they saying they're God's giving it back? Which one is it? They're implying that. Which one? That that they never had their full inheritance. But you just quoted. Yes. Joshua chapter 21 verses 45 through 46. It outlines all the promises to Abraham were given to Joshua and the, and the people. They lost, they lost the land. It's not a matter of them uh, not receiving it. They got their inheritance. It's like somebody uh, you know, getting all the inheritance and squandering it. No. It's like receiving an inheritance and the, the, the one who gave it, the one who, who donated it, mm-hmm. took it back yeah, well, yes. and said, you're not fit to have it. You are not fit to have what I gave you. Because God took it back. He kicked them out of of Palestine. Most of the Old Testament is the story of them losing the land. Yes. (laughs) And offending God. Yes. There's no great story there other than God's great mercy to continually forgive them. But it reached a point where Jesus said, that's it. The kingdom is taken from you. And it's given to another nation. That other nation is the church of God. We are Israel. It's not these fake people in Palestine killing Palestinians. And there's a big difference between Christian Zionists and Jewish Zionists. Jewish Zionists believe that the state itself, the state of Israel itself, fulfills the Messianic promise. Yes. They believe the state is the Messiah. It is the Messiah. Yes. They believe that. Theodore Herzl said, we don't have time to wait for a Messiah. We're going to create our Messiah. That's right. And that's what the state of Israel is to them. Okay, so i got six minutes remaining here before we go to morning manna. Um, RT, Donald Trump offers to visit Israel. Former President Trump has said he may visit Israel in the near future. Trump's statement came after he harshly criticized Benjamin Netanyahu for his apparent failure to predict Hamas's attack. Trump said, this is number 35, I may, I may go. He told reporters at a courthouse, but I believe in letting them do what they have to do, meaning kill the Palestinians. They have to straighten it out. What's happening is in Israel is all of those people dead would have never happened if I were president. Now, in that same article, he also called himself the most pro-Israel president in American history. So if you oppose Zionism, you can't support Trump. 
It doesn't make sense. I'm just, I mean, you want to vote for him, fine, but you can't say you oppose Zionism, but you are a Trump supporter. It's like saying you're opposed to Fauci and the vaccines, but you're a Trump supporter. Because he gave us Fauci and the vaccines. Speaking of Mr. Trump, the very thing that we're not speaking about is Mr. Trump. Mr. Trump has gone off the pages like Zelensky. Number 37, The Hill. Trump told to quiet down during a New York civil trial. The judge told him to shut his mouth. Any other day, this would probably be one of our lead stories, right? Yes. He was talking too loud in the courtroom. The judge told him to shut up. Um, Then we go to um, number 39, NPR. Judge imposes partial gag order against Trump. The judge is threatened to throw him in jail if he publicly says things about the trial. Number 40. This happened today. Yes. Trump attorney Sidney Powell pleads guilty in Georgia election subversion case. Sidney Powell pleaded guilty today. Yes. Do you remember, go back to 1920, 2020, and after the election and before the, the inauguration, remember all the Trump supporters who were convinced Sidney Powell was going to expose the corruption? Trump had a, the QAnon crowd. They believed there was a plan. Just, just trust the plan. Trust the plan. Sidney Powell pleaded guilty today. That's reality. So she got the Kraken, I guess, huh? They gave her the Kraken. Right. Okay. What am I saying? I'm not saying Sidney Powell didn't have something to... True. I'm not saying that. I'm saying she pleaded guilty today and is facing... What's, what did they say she's facing? Um, they're giving her... She's getting off pretty light. Six years they, probation. Six years probation. She's going to be sentenced to six years in prison, but given probation. She'll also be required... She'll lose her, her law license. And she'll be required to uh, testify at future trials. Against Trump. Right. What am I saying? While this war is going on, nobody's talking about Trump. Yes. They're going to lock up Trump. While all this fighting's going on in the couple, next couple of months, nobody's going to nobody's going to defend Trump. Nobody's even going to think about him. You're going to read one day Trump was handcuffed and taken to prison. While this war is being fought, they're going to lock him up. While this war this war is giving them cover to put him in prison. Wow. Nobody's paying attention to him. He's been ordered to shut up. You talk, we're going to put you in prison. If you don't talk, we're going to put you in prison. He said, I'm being railroaded. That's true. I'm not calling for it. I don't want it to happen. I'm just dealing with reality. They're going to put Trump in prison. And nobody's going to pay attention to it. Quickly, I got two minutes. Robert F. Kennedy. This really disappointed me. He fired Dennis Kucinich as his campaign manager. Because Kucinich was too anti-Zionist. Yes. And he replaced Dennis Kucinich with a new campaign manager who is a former CIA agent. You can't make up this stuff. There goes Kennedy. I, I was flirting with the Kennedy campaign for most of the year. I'm done. 
I'm out. I guess uh, I guess that fake U.S. marshal with guns at the L.A. rally convinced Mr. Kennedy that he should get a new campaign manager. And this new campaign manager, the CIA veteran, is his daughter-in-law. His daughter. So they married into the family. Yes. So she's taking over. She's a, she's a Zionist. Mr. Kennedy is is a complete change now. Oh, he also called for reparations. Yes. He wants reparations paid out. So Mr. Kennedy is gone off the rails. I'm done with the Kennedy campaign. So we uh, have three Zionist candidates. We have three Zionists running now. In the 2024 elections, Trump, Biden, and Kennedy. Which one are you going to vote for? You get Zionism. You've been conquered, America. You were conquered years ago, and you didn't know it. The Zionists took over. we got American congressmen wearing IDF military uniforms in the House of Representatives and being feared for it, applauded for it. This is the new America. We're under Zionist occupation in the United States of America. Someday the whole world will be Palestinians. We'll all be in a refugee camp. That's the future. My future is the kingdom of God. I'll be back in a moment. Concerned about this economic storm and how your IRA and 401k will fare during these turbulent times? Top experts are predicting now is the time to be protecting your assets with physical gold and silver. Find out why Genesis Gold Group is the number one recommended company by your favorite preppers and homestead channels. Receive Genesis Gold Group's free definitive gold guide today or give them a call at 800-200-GOLD. You want to open us up in prayer? Yes. Heavenly Father, Father, we worship you and praise you and worship and glorify you and thank you for this beautiful, wonderful day that we are alive and in your kingdom, sons and daughters of you, Father, and we're blessed. We are absolutely blessed and we thank you. Father, we invite the Holy Spirit into this morning manna Bible study that the Holy Spirit would direct us, teach all of us your precious word and reveal to us our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and his great kingdom. In his name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, I'm reading from Acts chapter 15 and uh, verses 2 through 4 and reading from the King James today. It says... When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, They were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. Amen. Praise God. Okay. So we'll uh, start with uh, verse 2. Let me get to my notes. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small discord and discussion with them, they appointed uh, Paul and Barnabas and some others of them to go up to Jerusalem 
to the apostles and elders about this question. So th there is a, clearly, there's a significant disagreement and debate between Paul and Barnabas and a certain group of people who arrived from Jerusalem, who were the, um, the Pharisee Christians, if there was such a thing. And it was not a small debate. It was a significant debate. It was an argument. It was a, it was a, a threat to the unity of the church. These men who showed up from Jerusalem didn't come with a minor question. It, it, was an, it was a challenge to the very heart of the gospel. They weren't arguing anymore that Gentiles could not be saved. They had lost that battle. They now moved to the position, well, we'll let the Gentiles be saved, but they have to become Jews. And so that's what's going on here. So to resolve the dispute and prevent division within the church, it was decided that Paul, Barnabas, and some others, they're unnamed, would go to Jerusalem for a council on this matter. This is the first ecclesiastical council meeting that was convened for the purpose of deciding theology. So the, the, the mission uh, to Jerusalem aimed to obtain the, the judgment of all the apostles on this issue. And this episode in Acts 15 set the stage for the Council of Jerusalem. Which, which ultimately decided that Gentile converts to the Christian faith did not need to become circumcised to be saved. They did not need to follow the laws of Moses. And this was a major turning point in the early church. Um, the verse mentions the apostles and elders in Jerusalem, indicating that these leaders were seen by the other churches as having authority in the early church, right? And no disrespect to our Roman Catholic friends, but the the seat of power was not Rome; it was Jerusalem. The early church, the mother church, was Jerusalem. It wasn't Rome; it was Jerusalem. Now later. The center of gravity shifted to the west. But that's another that's another topic. Um, so the, the theological debate was at the center of this dispute was whether faith in Christ alone was sufficient for Gentile converts or if they also needed to follow Jewish customs. That's that's the issue here. Right. Um, you go to Galatians 2, and this journey to Jerusalem was mentioned. I'm talking about this journey here in Acts 
15. Paul talked about it in his epistle to the church in Galatia. And he described in Galatians 2, verses 1 through 10, um, his journey to Jerusalem, the reason for it, his discussion with the apostles. I'm going to read from Galatians 2, verses 1 through 5. Because, again, in the book of Galatians, Paul is talking about what we're studying right now in Acts 15. Galatians 2 said, Then after a period of 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus also with me. So now we know that Titus was one of the others. I went up by, the, by revelation, and I laid before them the good news which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately before those who were respected for fear that I might be running or had run in vain. But not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. This was because of the, listen to this, this is really important. Paul said, this was because of the false brothers secretly brought in who stole in to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us on into bondage to whom we gave no place in the way of subjection, nor for an hour that the truth of the good news might continue with you. Doc, Paul said that these men that came from Jerusalem were false brothers. Yes. They were not Christians. Paul did not recognize them as Christians. He said that they came to spy. They were infiltrators. They were sent, I believe they were sent by the Sanhedrin. Yes. To infiltrate the church and cause division and strife. And to bring the Gentile Christians under subjection authority of the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem. And to circumvent the apostles. Because if they could manage to do this, they would also get the apostles to be brought under the Sanhedrin. Yes. He said... Because of false brothers who were secretly brought in. That means, Doc, that these men who went to Antioch, pretending to be Christians, were secretly sent there by somebody. He said, he uses the phrase, who, who stole in to spy out. Who stole in to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ. For the purpose of bringing the church into bondage. Yes. Into bondage of what? Judaism. Yes. They were trying to bring the church into bondage to Judaism. My friends, it's still going on today in America. It's called Christian Zionism. It's Hebrew Roots. The sacred name movement. There's a, there's a variety of these movements. 
there are there are churches that say that you have to keep all the feast. Yes. It's all Judaism. Yes. It just comes in different flavors like ice cream. But all are meant to do the same thing, to bring uh, Christians under subjection to Judaism. It's it's they're all it's the same motive for all the groups. And at the heart of it is this theme that Doc and I continually say. Their message is Jesus is not enough. Yes. And our message is Jesus is more than enough. Amen. He's not just enough. He's more than enough. He is everything you need and more. Everything, all the prophecies, all the promises of God to Israel in the Old Testament were fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Amen. There's no reason to go back into the Old Testament and say, I wonder when this is going to happen. It already happened. God wrapped up the Old Testament. He put a cover over it. You know, rolled it up and put it in a closet. It's done. Nailed it to the cross. He nailed it to the cross. Verse 3. They, meaning the uh, Paul and Barnabas and the others, being sent on their way by the assembly... Passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles. They caused great joy to all the brothers. So, on their way to Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas are telling Gentiles everywhere, "You're you're set free. You're you're saved. Believe in Jesus. Your your sins are forgiven." They're not even. They're not backing down at all. They're doubling down. And everywhere that they went, when they had an audience of Gentiles, they said, Jesus Christ died for your sins. You don't have to become a Jew. You're set free. And this caused great joy to all the brothers. So they, they, their journey took them through, we know, through Phoenicia and Samaria. Uh, Phoenicia was located along the coast. Uh, that would include other cities like Sidon. Uh, probably Caesarea, Samaria, all the places, uh, you know, that are in the news right now. Yes. And our uh, our brother John Mark in Jordan is saying that uh, Phoenicia is modern-day Lebanon. Yes, that's true. That is true. Yes, he's absolutely right. The... This journey was significant because it it represented an assertion of the principles for which Paul and Barnabas were contending. They made it a point to travel through Gentile regions to declare their commitment to preaching the gospel to non-Jews. They had, a, they had a reason for the route that they took. And they probably started churches on the way. There were probably new congregations that started from that trip to Jerusalem. 
They were reinforcing. If you go back earlier in Acts and think about Philip, then Paul and Barnabas were reinforcing the ministry of Philip and other evangelists who had blazed a trail in these cities. Paul and Barnabas displayed a willingness to fellowship with Canaanites and Samaritans. I mean, you want to talk about diversity. The church, the political left wants to think that they invented diversity. But diversity was was brought into the world by the church. It's the church that says there is no longer any difference between mankind as far as race, skin color, ethnicity, nationality. All are the same. That's a message from the church. Amen. And the way that the political left is doing it today, they're actually... They're using diversity to actually promote segregation. Yes. <laughs> Only the devil could come up with a plan like that. <laughs> yes. So everywhere they went, they were received with great joy by the disciples in those regions. And the news of the conversion of Gentiles brought happiness and excitement to the people in those cities. And I think the, the the tense of the verb, the Greek verb used for cause great joy, that word implies that the impact was ongoing and continuous. This was not a one-time uh, eruption of joy. This joy was ongoing, continuous, meaning the church was growing, growing as it reached out to Gentiles. Now think about it, this joy among the brethren over the Gentiles being saved was in stark contrast to the narrowness, the bitterness of the Pharisees who came to the church and said, you have to follow our rules. Right. There was no joy among them. It's just old, cold religion. So what we see here is that the conversion of Gentiles marked a, a turning from error to truth, from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the worship of God. And the presence of the brethren in, in Phoenicia and Samaria was a sign of unity within the early church. So this, this message of, gent, of Gentile conversion, it was the central theme of Paul's journey, but also his ministry. Right. So we get to verse 4. When they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the assembly and the apostles and the elders, and they reported everything that God had done with them. Note that Paul and Barnabas were received by three groups. Number one, the assembly. That's the church. 
Number two, the apostles. Number three, the elders. Interesting, yeah, I hadn't noticed that. The assembly, the apostles, and the elders all played significant roles. The term, the assembly, uh, refers to the local church in Jerusalem. Um, Church is an old English word. Assembly actually comes from the Greek word ecclesia. Yes. And an ecclesia was not necessarily religious. If you had an ecclesia to talk about uh, issues in the city, that was a town hall meeting. Yes. The mayor and council would call an ecclesia to talk about issues. So the church originally was called the assembly, the ecclesia. That's where we get ecclesiastical matters pertaining to the assembly. So the church refers to the, I mean, the word uh, assembly or church refers to the local congregation in Jerusalem. The apostles were the authoritative figures, men who personally saw the resurrected Christ. And the elders were the church leaders who had been appointed by the apostles and were involved in this decision-making process. The reception in Jerusalem was a, it was both important and it was a formal event which indicated the gravity of the matter they came to discuss. They didn't just say, hey, let's go down to the cafe, get some Get some tea and let's talk about this issue. Now, this was a serious meeting. This threatened to rip apart the church. And so one of the one of the purposes of this trip. Paul was not going to allow these uh, Pharisees to run the show. He wasn't going to play on their court. Well, he knew how they operated, right? He was a Pharisees. Yes, Uh, he He was one. He knew their maneuvering. He knew how they operated. And so uh, there was no way he was going to allow their maneuvering to take over the church. So Paul, Paul made sure that the theme of the meeting was the work he and Barnabas had done to bring Gentiles into the church. So they didn't go there and allow the Sanhedrin to dominate. Paul dominated. Paul told everybody in Jerusalem the marvelous things God was doing throughout the the lands as Gentiles were coming to Christ. They were acting as messengers of the church in Antioch. Antioch was the, the center of gravity for the Gentile church. I don't want. I don't like using that word "Gentile church." Right. Antioch was a center of gravity for the Church of God. That was the members were primarily Gentiles. The Jerusalem Church was the center of gravity for the Church. Members were primarily Jews. 
But there was one church, not two churches. There wasn't a Jewish church and a Gentile church. There was one church. But these are the two anchors. So their report in Jerusalem was essential for this discussion. And everybody in Jerusalem in the church needed to hear firsthand from Paul and Barnabas what God was doing. So they gave firsthand eyewitness accounts of the experiences that they saw the Holy Spirit doing among the Gentiles. And this was to prepare the Jerusalem assembly for this discussion about whether Gentile Christians had to convert to Judaism in order to be Christians. We're also seeing here an example of uh, the leadership structure within the early church. The assembly, the apostles, the elders. Uh, The phrase, everything that God had done with them highlights the the divine aspect of their mission, their travels, the conversions. They didn't take credit for anything. They talked about everything that God had done with them. It, it emphasized that it was God working through Paul and Barnabas to bring Gentiles into the church. And so this... Uh, This is all leading up to the Jerusalem Council and sets the stage for the discussion and the decisions that would follow here in Acts 15, which would have a profound impact on the relationship between Jewish and Gentile Christians in the early church. Um, I think I'll I'll go on to... uh, Verse 5. Okay. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up, saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So now we see the conflict. It's out in the open now. This They're, hold, they're holding the, the church town hall meeting. The apostles are are there. The the elders of of Jerusalem are there. The messengers from Antioch are there, Paul and Barnabas. This, uh, This group that said these things was the sect of the Pharisees who believed. Pharisees who claimed that they believed in Jesus. Now, later in Galatia, in the church, the letter to Galatia, the Galatian church, Paul said they're false brothers. Well, do you think the, the ones he's calling false brethren are the ones that went to Antioch to challenge uh, Paul and Barnabas? But that this this could be a, 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 a genuine group of Pharisees who believed. Could there be? Well, who sent them, Doc? Well, he, said, he said that they were sent. Well, that's a good point. Yes. Somebody sent them. So these Pharisees believed in Jesus on the surface, but still 
kept Jewish traditions and the laws of Moses. And they insisted on the necessity of circumcising all Gentile men who converted to Christianity. Right. They maintained, the Pharisees, the, the <laughs> Christian Pharisees, that adherence to Jewish laws was essential for salvation. And they argued that Gentile believers should be commanded to follow the entire Mosaic law, including ceremonial and dietary regulations. Right. So the dispute centered on whether Gentile converts needed to become Jews through circumcision and law keeping before becoming Christians. So, Doc, if you follow their logic, they were actually arguing you can't claim to be saved and then convert and do the, the Jewish thing. You have to do the Jewish thing first before you can be saved. Yes. In other words, you got to go to the synagogue and we're going to tell you when we think you can be saved. Yes, that's that that's right. See, it gets it gets deeper and deeper as you go. It was a trap. The um Pharisaic viewpoint was was obviously rooted in their understanding of the Old Testament Jewish tradition, which was uh, Jewish tradition. You're talking about the Talmud. Yes. They were trying to bring Gentile Christians into bondage of the Talmud. The Talmud is the collection of writings of the rabbis right. on their interpretation of the Torah. Right. So we would like a commentary today. Right. Uh, but this was a collection of sayings of rabbis going back several hundred years that all been put together and the, it became a law unto itself um, in addition to the Torah. It, uh, Jesus called the traditions of men. That's right. So this agreement, this disagreement, so this disagreement had implications for the identity and the practices of early Christians. Uh, this conflict had complex theological and cultural issues that had to be that had to be resolved because it threatened to it threatened to split the church and isn't it strange Rick well not strange because the devil rarely changes his tactics but you see such an emphasis nowadays on uh, modern evangelical or Christian Zionist churches to learn aspects of the Talmud. Or you see major Pentecostal or charismatic leaders going to Israel to learn from uh, rabbis and from uh, the teachers in Israel learning aspects of the Talmud uh, in order to, what they would say, deepen their Christian faith, uh, the Jewish roots of, of Christianity. But this is the very same thing, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I, I, I have personally heard well-known 
evangelical Christians, I've heard them on TV, on radio, uh, comment. Well, I just returned from Israel. I had been, I spent a lot of time um, with the rabbis learning about the word of God. And I'm thinking, no, you went there to be taught the Talmud. You learned about Kabbalah and numerology. You're being converted to, to Judaism. And now you've come back to America to, to teach your, your own flock that's under you the same things that the rabbis taught you in, in Israel. This is going on a lot in America. Christians really are not aware of how deep and pervasive the Jewish Talmudic Kabbalistic infiltration is in the American evangelical churches. I don't call them evangelicals anymore. I call them deceived evangelicals. They are deceived. And and they're going about deceived and deceiving others. Because once they're deceived, they spend the rest of their life deceiving other people. Well, Doc, I think I, I think we'll pick this up tomorrow at, at verse six. Very good. Well, um, today, Rick, we had uh, fifteen different countries on. Right now, a little over four hundred people on online with us on this daily international Bible study, and we appreciate you so much joining us. And if this is your first time with us today, God bless you. Thanks for uh, joining us, and feel free to share this with others. Uh, we want to remind you we're here together every weekday morning. 8 a.m. Eastern Time, and we invite you to come and join us each and every weekday. And on Fridays, which is tomorrow, tomorrow's a Friday, we participate in Holy Communion. And so we invite you that if you are a confessing believer of Jesus Christ and you've been baptized in water according to the Scriptures in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, then we invite you to participate in Holy Communion with us on Friday mornings. Uh, just uh, have uh, ready bread and either red wine or grape juice uh, available for participation with us. And uh, we encourage you to do so. If you have not had the opportunity to participate in communion, then uh, this is your opportunity to uh, connect with believers all over the world and uh, participate in what Jesus said we were supposed to do on a regular basis until he comes again. And so we encourage you to participate with us hey uh, continue to pray for us as we uh, said before we love you very much join us tomorrow friday morning for morning manna join us for holy communion we invite you to participate with us until then on behalf of rick wiles i'm dr burkhardt god bless you thanks for watching morning manna bye hey we're back doc what we're doing on this program and on morning manna and by the way, Doc has his own program on faith and values called Ask Doc. And 4 p.m.? 4 p.m. weekdays. Eastern. 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, ask Doc a question. Try to stump him. Send him some difficult... Well, they, they stump me sometimes. <laughs> they, they, good. They, do. they ask some good questions. So What we're doing here at Faith and Values is contending for the faith. Yes. We're fighting for the Christian faith. A lot of heresies and false doctrines have come into the church and confused the minds of people. We are contending for the faith. The apostles did it. The early church leaders did it. Throughout 2,000 years, there have always been men and women who have contended for the faith. What does it mean to protect 
the, the purity of the gospel. Yes. To allow no corruption to come into the gospel. And that's what we do here. I invite you to stand with us through prayer and financial support. I'm asking you to support True News, this work that we're doing. You can send a, a gift to us at Post Office Box 690069, Vero Beach, Florida, 32969, or go to truenews.com, click the Donate button, or call this number, 800 576 2116 Give a love gift to support us in contending for the faith to keep it pure until the day our Lord and Savior Jesus arrives. God bless. We'll see you tomorrow. This is WWCR, Nashville, Tennessee, USA. WWCR, International Shortwave Radio. You can find True News on frequency 12.160 from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern and on frequency 4.840 from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern. Connect with us on Rumble, Facebook, X, and Getter. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.